Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about the importance of communicating schedule changes. This episode is sponsored by Skyway Acquisition. The Skyway community gives you context from former contracting officers, just-in-time training in the government market, and consulting to solve your unique puzzles. Visit askskyway.com to learn more. Let's get started with schedule communication. We talk about communication a, a lot. We talk about early communication a lot. But what does early really mean and, and how does early impact the government acquisition world? I had a great story for this and on my personal side. I lead my son's uh, baseball leagues, Fossil Park Baseball and Softball. It's like 400 kids that play baseball and softball. We had a parent who volunteered to coach. We have, they're all volunteer coaches, right? And after he volunteered, we were starting to get the draft going. And he says, hey, by the way, I found out that I had this huge project at work that's going to pull me away in the middle of the season. So he emails us immediately. And he's, and he's really, really funny because he's a lawyer. He's very specific. And he has in red text, I am sounding the alarm. <laughs> very funny. He said, I need to let you know that while this isn't a problem now, it's going to be. And I can't be the head coach. I can't manage the team. And because he told us before we put the teams together and before we'd actually gotten too far into the process, we moved some kids around and we're able to fix the problem. Relate this to the podcast on the podcast survey that thank you folks who are filling it out. 50% of the responses said that contract management was their biggest area of need. So as I was driving home from that meeting, I saw the similarities between these two. And I realized that by telling us very early, this, this dad, his name is Adam, he helps us fix the situation. And I realized, wow, this, this is a great podcast topic. For starters, we have to choose to communicate early. And by doing that, Adam made this process a whole lot easier for us. That is a great setup for this episode. Before we move on, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks to Susan Weiss from CSRA for liking and sharing our content on LinkedIn. Because the best way for people to find us is for other people to share our content. Thanks, Susan. Okay, back to communication, specifically communication about schedules. There are two sides to every schedule. There's a person that's expecting something to be delivered, either a service or a product, and there's a person or a company that needs to deliver that. And that schedule lays out the expectations of when things will be done. This is straight out of Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the quotes in there is that frustration is usually a result of misaligned expectations. So if you're frustrated by a schedule, it could be that your expectations of when things are going to show up is misaligned. And how do you align it? Communication. Let's use one of our favorite misaligned schedule expectations to illustrate how communication and early communication can impact a process. Let's talk about source selections and not just source selections, but how that impacts the rest of the acquisition process all the way to the mission. From RFP release to contract award date to start date, misalignment of expectations can lead to, in, in your example, to a baseball league without a coach for one of the teams for a month which impacts everyone, not just that team. It impacts the other teams because maybe games are canceled. Maybe they don't have the quality of competition they're expecting. Maybe it doesn't impact them so much because other families, other parents, other players have to shift around to cover that impact. But since that person was 
upfront enough with communication to let you know, you're able to avoid all of that impact. Back on the source selection side, what happens if the person who's the final signator of the RFP going out the door takes a surprise two-week vacation on the day that they were supposed to get the RFP out the door to industry? Yeah, how does that two-week vacation impact the flow of the whole acquisition schedule? How does it impact the government acquisition team? And then, of course, industry. And then, oh, by the way, the reason we're doing this is to meet the mission. So all of those things are hit by a surprise two-week vacation that... Right. It might not be a two-week delay that flows strictly as a two-week delay through the process. If the RFP takes two weeks longer to get out, it delays when proposals are due. If it delays when proposals are due, maybe some of the people that were going to evaluate those proposals aren't available in the same window. So maybe the source selection takes four weeks longer than planned, which means that award is a month later than planned, which means that contractors might take a little longer to spin up to deliver it. So maybe that even doubles that. So now you're two months late on delivery of whatever you thought because of a two-week delay at the start, where if that vacation was on the schedule and everyone knew that it was going to start two weeks later, maybe it's only a two-week delay. So it's a compounding thing. So I just walked through how a surprise delay at the very beginning of the acquisition schedule, can compound through the source selection and through contract execution. And ultimately, it impacts the mission. The schedule sets the expectations. And in your case, Adam, set your expectations by communicating early. And as a result, you made the changes before you hit the critical points in the baseball season. And, and the key takeaway here is he reset our expectations. Yeah. That's what communication looks like. The expectation is we had a coach for all four eight-year-old teams. He reset our expectations to say, you're probably only going to have a coach for three unless we make some adaptations <laughs> here. And that's the communicating early part. So, yes, we all have expectations. But to your point, if the expectation is this person is not going to be on vacation and all of a sudden they are, that reset has to happen. That resetting of expectations is going to come through communication. Yeah, imagine if – Adam was the chair of the technical evaluation team in the source selection and was gone for a month in the middle of the source selection and no one knew that ahead of time. Same scenario here. Even if he's gone for three days in the middle of it. If, if that role, <laughs> and it's happened. I had that happen. Yep. Oh yeah, my daughter's getting married. I'm like, you didn't think to mention that before we did this? Right. But, Some things are unavoidable, like like avian flu, but... <laughs> Other things, it, it, it's easy to communicate. So what, what is early communication, Kevin? As soon as you know there will be an impact to the, to the program, or as soon as you think there will be an impact. Now, the difference between those two is, is experience. I mean, remember, this is a thinking job, so you have to think through, yes, this might be an impact, or I don't know if it will be. Maybe, we, maybe there's a conversation that has to happen over whether the impact will be that dire. But the fact is, once you realize this is probably going to impact something in the schedule, let somebody know. Let the government folks know. And government side, when you think that your source selection is going to take longer, communicate that to industry. I was horrible at that. I never put that out to the offers and said, by the way, we got more proposals than we thought. It's going to take an extra month. And there's challenges. You don't want to cry wolf by saying, I think we might get more proposals than we thought. But when do you share? That's the art, right? When do you share the difference between thinking there will be impact and knowing there'll be an impact? If you wait yeah. till you know, you might be too late. One example I come across a lot is jury duty. People often think they might have jury duty because they get the little notice that says that they might be on there. 
And they usually share that with me and say, hey, I might be out for this day or it might be a week after this day because I might have jury duty. I won't know until the morning of. I'll let you know when that happens. That allows me to plan for a potential outage of a person rather than getting a text on the morning saying, hey, I did get jury duty. It actually happened and I'm going to be out for a month on this trial. Yeah, whoops. Sometimes it is a judgment call. Other times it's binary, but it's set by the rules. It's knowing what you need to ask now versus what you're able to ask later. Some things are obvious, like you can't raise a question about the evaluation process after you've submitted a proposal. The, the process says if you have an issue with the solicitation, you have to ask questions and protest <laughs> before the proposals are submitted. Other ones are less obvious. The difference between a delivery order or a task order contract where the funding is separated by individual order versus a, a C-type or a regular standalone contract. You can move the funds around on a C-type contract if they're expired. We have a podcast about that. On a delivery order or task order contract, you can't. So if the schedule drug along far enough that now the funds are expired, you may not have access to funds that you thought you did. Now it's binary and it's had huge mission impact because you can't use the money you thought you had. Whereas if you had communicated ahead of time that you might need to move funding, you wouldn't be in that, that trouble where the time has passed and now you can't do it. All right. Now we're way deep into contracts geekery. Let's, let's get back to schedule expectations. So can you communicate too early? You can. It's not as risky as it may seem, though. I think a lot of that is false fear. I mean, yes, there's the hairs on fire manager who like, everything's a crisis, even if it hasn't happened yet. More often than not, if you're paying attention to the overall mission, it's pretty hard to over-communicate because people have context. Yeah, there is some gainsmanship to the communication game. How much should a contractor really share about potential schedule impacts, right? Too little sharing leads to the frustration that we've been talking about, but too much sharing can lead to the appearance of chaos, right? No contractor wants the government to see all of the sausage being made and all of the little emergencies that are solved on the way. You want to look like you know what you're doing, right? And that's why things like a risk matrix are often used in, in program management so that you can track way ahead of time Risks that they, they appear to be low, but we think there may be something that could impact the schedule or the cost or whatever. And we're just telling you about it as a super low risk. And we're going to pay attention to that. We're, maybe we're going to move it up the matrix to something that is either higher risk or higher probability later. But we're communicating up front. That way, you're sharing the information, but you're not just crying wolf. And to geek out on the project management side, the risk matrix is something that compares the likelihood of something happening with the impact of it. So if it's a low likelihood but low impact, then it goes in the far left-hand corner of the matrix and you don't really worry about it. As opposed to if it's high likelihood and high impact, that's the one you tackle first. Right. That's in but, red in the upper right-hand corner. Exactly, Thank, yeah. Thanks. I should have given some context before I just started talking about risk matrix. Being too early, it's kind of like hurricane preparation. It's, it, it's better to be two days early planning for a hurricane than five minutes too late. <laughs> yeah, five minutes too late is too late. But the other side is you can't board up your house every time it rains. Right? You, you, can't, you can't be too early with those preps and overreact to the potential. Or, or you're spending lots of time and energy doing the non-productive things. And the key here is context. 
because if it's not hurricane season, if it's February and it's raining like crazy, it's just a storm, whatever, move on. <laughs> it's probably context, not time to board up. Exactly. But if you don't have context on what's going on, then yeah, yet that's how you end up overreacting. This goes back to the, the value of context in, in your contract is going to make the difference between you overreacting and being a hairs on fire manager or not reacting at all versus managing risk well and communicating properly. Let's link this to the time zones before we get any deeper. Communication about schedule, particularly, is something that covers all of the time zones. We've been talking particularly about the source selection zone and sort of the performance zone on the execution side, but even back with market research in the RFP zone, communication about when an RFP will be released is very important to industry. It helps, helps them plan. It also helps the mission plan for when they might receive what they intend to receive through the acquisition process. On the execution side, this is the contractor's job to communicate about the actual schedule of when they will deliver on their commitments. It's also the government's job to communicate things like funds availability or changes to government furnished property availability, those kind of things that, that could impact the schedule. Now on to why this is important, if you haven't already grasped it yet. <laughs> Time is a zero-sum game. There's only so much of it. When you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. So on, on the Gantt chart, the Gantt chart, which is used as a scheduling tool, it doesn't normally slide to the left. We usually fall behind and the, the schedule slides to the right. right. It's rare that anything goes faster than planned. But it's even more rare that time actually reverses and, and flows backwards to give you more, <laughs> more time, right? Sometimes where you're at on the calendar can change the landscape, can change the impact of lack of communication and of schedule delays in a huge way. Things like, is it the end of the government fiscal year? Is it the end of the contractor fiscal year? Or is, is a product going to be, is a software product going to be obsolete at the end of the year? Is, is Microsoft going to stop supporting Skype? <laughs> on January 1st or whatever. I mean, that stuff's happening. If you're not communicating it, all of a sudden, you don't, suddenly you don't have the capability to meet a mission you thought you did. And the end game of all this is to meet the mission. Yeah, I want to rewind just a second to those impacts. Remember, the end of the government fiscal year causes some, some permanent inability to do certain things with the previous year's money. So if you're on the industry side and you require more funding and you don't communicate that early enough, if... That decision is made in June, and the action happens in July, maybe not a problem. If that is communicated in September, and that action can't happen until October, the government may not actually be able to fund or move funding, right? There, there's things that happen at the end of the fiscal year, just like you said with obsolete products or updates. Think about us trying to record this podcast. Right before we started – my version of Skype apparently went obsolete and it was updated. We had a schedule slip in the start date because I had to try to remember what my Skype password was, then figure out how to use the new Skype real quick to even call you, then update the recording software so that it works with the new Skype, all because of schedule. If we had recorded this yesterday, wouldn't have been a problem. And the irony that the topic today is schedule is <laughs> just so rich. It's awesome. All right, specifically, government side, why does the government care about communicating and schedule? When I was a contracting officer, one of my biggest challenges was getting contractors to tell me about problems early. And, and I think the reason for that was that they'd probably been burned a few times 
when they came up early and we said, oh, well, you're supposed to figure that out. I'm, I'm sure that I said that. <laughs> Punish the messenger. That's right. And then the second reason is that I, I, I remember a moment when I had a contract when something – it was a – the delivery was a week late and I asked him, you know, where, where, where is this where is this product? It was, it was a report. So where's the report? And he said, oh, I emailed you about that. It, it was asking for a, 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 a delay because of, you know, he had a big paragraph explaining it. It was buried in my email. <laughs> so, so sometimes in the avalanche of communication, and again, that's that's on both of us. Because on one hand, if if and this is a manager tools trick, is if you send an email and don't get a response, don't send another email. Use a different medium. Right. right? But at the same time, I got to keep up with my own email. So it, it it's both. And I think that's that's a great example of look, we think communication was happening and it, and it wasn't. Now this is a one week delay of a report. It wasn't a big deal, but it could have been. What I wish I'd done more of, I figured this out later, was set the bar for communication at the kickoff. Let us both agree on what is the expectation for communication. Like how early is early? Like what are the key issues in this contract that, that if they're going to be late, do we have time to fix them? Right. If you tell me about it up front, we'll deal with it. If you tell me about it too late, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> and if, you, if the expectation is that I'm going to be really irritated, right. then yeah. Yeah, if, if contractors aren't communicating with you and you're in the government program office, it could be that they don't feel like you will accept that communication well and work with them to fix problems. It it could be that they're afraid they're going to get punished for sharing information that, that potentially could make things go go poorly. And keep in mind, we're in the execution time zones. We're both on the same side now to some extent because we want the government and industry both want the contract to work. So on the, the execution time zone, the expectation should be that we're going to make we're going to make this right. We'll figure out how to how to fix it. Right. We're going to work together. Remember, it's all about the mission. We've mentioned that a couple times already from the beginning. If the source selection takes a month or a year longer than planned due to avoidable issues. The mission is what suffers, what what the soldiers need or, or completing the road doesn't happen. When people plan, one way to avoid that is to build the communication devices into the contract. That's why we talk about the the risk matrix, adding a risk matrix into the deliverables or into the regular program review flow so that the contractor is required to identify potential risks, even the low impact, low probability ones early in the process, building schedule reviews into the contract. Now, all this, of course, Depends on the size of the contract, how much money and time, and how how complex the contract is. But these things should be built into the contract flow. And it sounds like we're only talking about product contracts, but service contracts this applies as well. Because what's the risk of of a position being empty? If this person gets sick, if this person gets promoted, what is the plan to replace them? What what is the risk of them leaving? What is the risk of this key person leaving with their PhD? Or getting moved to a different program. All of those are things that have happened in contracts that I've managed and having a conversation. I actually remember having a conversation with a contractor who said, if this PhD leaves, because he's doing the research on this service contract, if he leaves, this is his, the guy had a master's degree, but he's his understudy. He could pick it up until we get somebody who has the PhD. The reason the PhD was so important is that was a requirement of the contract. Yeah. But we figured our way through it, right? Because we knew about it ahead of time. Turns out the guy didn't leave anyway, so it wasn't an issue. But, but I remember you had a plan because you knew there was a potential. And, and the critical impact of him leaving, because he was the big brain on the contract, cost everybody a lot of headaches if he, if he left. So that was communication 101. 
Let's move on to why industry cares about scheduled communication. Time is money. It's a, it's a trite saying, but it's also how we function. Time is what you've got. Back to it's a zero-sum game. There's only so much of it, right? And nearly every person is paid for their time. They, they are a salaried employee, hourly. Either way, there's a time for money scenario there, which means that when the company is investing time, or for that matter, the government is investing time, we're losing money. Investments in non-productive activities are a loss of time, right? So every, every swirl, every problem with communication that causes an impact causes work that is non-productive. If there's a delay that wasn't planned for and it requires a contract modification, there's a whole lot of people on both sides now involved in modifying the contract, not doing productive work for the contract. And there's a huge ripple effect there. If it's a fixed price contract, the contractor bears the risk of a potential loss for spending too much time fixing this. If it's a cost type contract, well, the government's bearing the risk. Either way, somebody's spending money for time to fix a problem that could have been fixed by communication. Exactly. We talked about how this can impact profit in episode uh, 132, I think it was, the one that, uh, why profit matters. 132. It's a while ago. Industry's no different than government. It's hard to plan against a moving target. Delays in an RFP release that aren't communicated can directly impact proposal quality because industry may not have the people available to write a proposal in December that they had a plan to have available in August. Those people may, be, may have moved on. So that impacts maybe the government takes longer to evaluate more confusing proposals or just doesn't get as good of solutions proposed. If the government doesn't communicate like you said before, hey, I got seven proposals instead of three, so it's going to take me three months to evaluate an award rather than one. Well, that can impact contract execution just because contractors had everyone planning to start in August, and now they don't get to start till October. So those people, they either have to find new people to do the work or hire different people or pull them off other programs than they plan to. It all leads to mission impact. It may not be unrecoverable mission impact, but even a month delay in delivering something, whether it's a service or a product, is some kind of impact. It, it may not be as dramatic as being late for the war, like, hey, the tanks were delivered one month after the war was over. That <laughs> doesn't help anyway. It may not be that dramatic, but every delay has some type of impact that goes back to spending non-productive time rather than productive time. And nearly all of this can be avoided with really effective early communication. That sounds like a great point to stop and wrap this up. At Skyway, one of our non-negotiables, one of our new core values is to be proactive. And the reason for that is, that is this schedule idea is that every second counts. Time is the most valuable resource because we can't make any more of it, right? So managing our contracts with this in mind will make us more effective. If you think in terms of we can't get any more time back, if we manage our contracts with a mindset of proactivity, we'll get more done because we'll be ahead of problems and have more context. And avoid problems. No one likes to spend their time on non-productive activities, right? The, and being proactive, communicating early helps avoid that. And I got to say, I was the worst at this as a CEO. I was always underwater with the workload, and I was very poor at estimating both my completion dates for activities for mods for rfps whatever and also poor at communicating those dates to industry once i was on the industry side i had to fix that 
at least somewhat. There, there's really no tolerance for lateness on the industry side. It's really easy to get fired if you miss something important, like submitting a proposal on time, because the government has no tolerance for late proposals. And, and that's because the, the government's driving the schedule, and to some extent, industry's reacting to it. If I put out the RFP a week late, there is impact, and we talked about all that. The fact is, I'm not personally going to be impacted by it because I'm setting the schedule. On the industry side, you don't get to set the proposal due date. It's right, fixed. and if I'm, if I'm a week late submitting my proposal, that could have very personal impact on me. Exactly. <laughs> all right, that's it for today, Kevin. I'll talk to you later. See you, Paul. Thanks for joining us on the Contracting Officer Podcast, and thanks to our sponsor, Skyway Acquisition. If you'd like more content and context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers, get a personal license to the Skyway community. You'll be able to post your questions in the Ask a Contracting Officer forum, read hundreds of blogs and articles, and listen to Skyway's premium podcast, This Week in Government Contracting. To take the next step as a contracting officer podcast listener, get a personal license. Visit skywaymember.com to get started. Let's use one of our favorite misaligned schedule expectations as the, not as the example, as the, ah, let's use one of our favorite misaligned schedule expectations to illustrate how communication matters, to illustrate how early communication impacts things. So, so much frustration. Oh, man, that, that's, that's a great uh, <laughs> impacts things.